0: I felt I was mismanaged. She was giving me kinds of medicine. And then incidentally, I had an office mate who also had PCOS. Before, I knew that I had PCOS. So I asked her, she had fertility work-ups. And so I asked her, you know, wh- what does your OB do? And so when she told me, I was like, wait, why is it different from what my OB is doing? And so she said, you know what? It's time for you to find another doctor. And then that doctor help me have my baby. So it's really important that you know you go to a doctor but find a doctor that you're comfortable with and you feel that you're taken care of.
1: Welcome to where the F am I heading? the podcast where meaningful conversations take place as we traverse the complicated life of adulthood. If you feel lost and troubled, our show aims to help shed some light on your life's concerns. Join your hosts, Ruth and Irene. Let's talk adulting. Many women are fighting a silent battle against PCOS. Some are even unaware that the symptoms that they are experiencing are already signs of the disorder. That is why PCOS awareness is very important to help society understand the risks and effects of this disorder. Today's episode is actually an opportunity for us to talk about something that is rarely talked about, especially for women. And so, just a a background. A few years back, I have read a blog about PCOS, and I don't normally read blogs that is not related to travel. But for some reason, on that day, I read the entire blog, and it's really long. It's really long. But after reading that, I realized that there's a lot of things I've learned out of it. And little did I know that there's a few of my friends in my circle that are experiencing this or has this. So I'd like to introduce our guest today. Let's welcome Gerald. Hi, Gerald. Hi. Hi, Gerald.
0: Thank you for inviting me here.
1: Welcome to our show. Where the f am I heading? So, just a quick introduction. Can you tell us about yourself and what you do?
0: Yeah. So my name is Gerald Andrade. It's difficult to pronounce, so most people call me Jet. I am a graduate of computer engineering, so that led me into IT industry. My husband and I are both working in the IT industry. I've been into software development since 2006, so that makes me a software developer by profession. Like Ruth said, I am also a blogger on the side. During my free time, I, I love the ride, so I just write about anything it used to be a food and travel blog but then I became a mom so it transformed into lifestyle and motherhood something you know that personal stuff that moms go through I've been married since 2011 and I now have a six-year-old daughter named Zayni. and just like what Ruth said I am a PCOS warrior I'm not yet a survivor, so I'm, I still have PCOS, so I call myself a PCOS warrior.
1: That's really nice. Thank you about that. So yeah, I was trying to figure out what should I call is it a PCOS survivor, so now you've clarified it's a PCOS warrior. So can you give us a detail, or can you give us a, an explanation what is PCOS?
0: Okay. So, PICOS actually means polycystic ovary syndrome. It is a hormonal imbalance that is common to women. I recently listened to a a podcast and then there was this, I forgot if she was a nutritionist or or a doctor. And apparently, one in 10 women actually have PICOS. But then she said that she thinks that there are actually more. Because a lot of women don't go to their doctors regularly, so they don't get diagnosed on time. So she's thinking that maybe there are more. So I think before we can understand PICOS, can I give an overview of of biology? (laughs) Uh, A review of our, our reproductive system?
2: Surely, surely.
0: So, a woman has a cycle, right? We know this. We're all women here. So, for some, it's 28 days. That, that's the normal. Some has 30, 32. So, we all have our cycle. So, we, we have ovaries, right? The left ovary and the right ovary. So, around day 14, I think, day 14. So, day one is when we have our period right? And so we count usually around day four, between day 14 and 18, our ovary releases an egg. It's the egg cell, right? So when the egg cell meets a sperm cell, you get pregnant, right? If, if it doesn't, we have the menstruation. Usually, it's around after 28 days. So the cycle repeats. You go back to day one, right? For women with because, it's not the same. It's different. So in my case, I wasn't having my period. The longest was one and a half years. So that long. So in in that case, technically, I don't have a quote-unquote cycle. It's erratic. So what happens is that my ovaries were not releasing egg. So I wasn't ovulating. So there's no ovulation. There's no menstruation. That's why it was difficult for me to have a baby at that time. So what happens is that's why it's called polycystic ovary syndrome, because an egg cell has a coating. I don't know what the scientific term is, but it's a follicle. So, it, it's a follicle first, and then when it matures, I think it ruptures. Sorry if, if you have listeners who are doctors. I'm <laughs> in I mean IT, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> so, anyway, so the, the follicle matures, and then it, it releases an egg. But since I have PCOS, and women, a lot of women have PCOS, the follicles don't mature. So, when you look at an ultrasound, you see the ovary, and it looks like a bunch of grapes. So, those look like, like little circles. So, that's called the cyst those cysts are actually undeveloped follicles that didn't mature that's why we're not ovulating so when you look at an ultrasound of a healthy woman who is having her regular cycle it's it's clear i think or maybe if you're ovulating you can see something like like one but in my case it's like little there are little circles that's why it's called polycyst means more right yeah so that's how it looks like so yeah so that's what polycystic ovary syndrome and then healthy women actually I only knew this because I've been you know googling why while we were on workup apparently we produce very little male hormones but when you have picos you have high levels of male hormones that's why there are a lot of women who have unwanted hair
2: Facial hair. Yeah,
0: facial hair and acne breakout and what else? Unexplained weight gain.
2: Okay, so what causes PCOS? Is it hereditary?
0: Some say that it is hereditary. I recently read an article that say that when you have PCOS, your daughter has a higher chance of also getting it. So I think it is. I'm not sure, but I think it is. None from my family have PCOS, but I have family members who are diabetic. So Mm -hmm. insulin, it's the same. It's almost the same. That's why when I was diagnosed, I was already taking Metformin. And it's actually the same medicine that they give the diabetic people. So I'm thinking that maybe, you know, that caused it. Yeah. And also... Apart from that, our lifestyle is actually not good for hormonal balance. So a lot of it, like maybe because of the the food we eat, maybe stress. So there are a lot of factors that contribute to women having Pcos.
2: It's really interesting because to be honest, I have no idea what is Pcos. You know, I've never really surrounded myself with people that have it or at least openly talk about it thinking about it i suddenly remember there is a cousin that they just keep on saying that she cannot have kids she never she doesn't really have the period and everything but they consider it as normal she's just like yeah and she doesn't get period or or you know the, the cycle and then they never really thought of going to a doctor and actually get checked so i think that's why we need to be aware of our body as as a woman right because nowadays whenever there's something like delayed irregular or something like that i'm I'm, i freaked out like there's some swell in in my breast or something like that i freaked out i just want to be checked
0: i want to sleep better at night you know
2: (laughs) because there's a lot of things that we have to be mindful of our own body
0: Yep, That's why they say that there are a lot of women who are still not yet diagnosed. I've always had irregular periods. So I had my first period, I think, when I was 12. And so it was never regular. But then, you know, I went to a gynecologist, and OB, and she said that, you know what, you're still young. It's normal for people below 18, like that. And so let's wait for you until you're 18. Uh, looking back, I realized that, you know, maybe I already had it years ago and then i got 18 i I transferred to a different doctor and then she said you know what it's okay you're you're not i know i know this is not correct for a doctor to say but say you know you know what it's okay maybe you're just underweight maybe you're just stressed in school I, i remember that's what she told me and then i came back when i was 21 I started working already. I already have my health insurance, my HMO. She was accredited. And she said the same thing. You know what? It's okay. You do not have plans of having a baby Yep. And so when I got married, I was already 27. That was the only time that she had me checked. And then that's the only time I found out I had Picos. So can you imagine? I was 18 when I first saw a doctor and nobody even... I think it's because of our culture, my old doctor ordered for a pelvic ultrasound, you know, because I was single, I didn't have sexual intercourse first. And so she said, you know what, you'll get traumatized if you get a transvaginal ultrasound. But looking back, I think I would have been diagnosed earlier on. Early. And it, it, yeah. And it would, it would have been a lot easier for me, for us to conceive had I found out about it earlier on.
2: By that time when you were 18, aside from irregular cycle what was the other symptoms you were experiencing
0: nothing nothing yeah just the irregular period I, I know a couple of women who have PCOS who actually experience like the breakouts and the yeah the unwanted the weight. weight but my OB said that you know you're not having your period because you're underweight I've always been underweight my whole life which is very ironic, you know, because you know I'm because I'm expected to to be overweight. Okay. so just a regular period. Yeah.
1: Also, like while you were talking earlier, I was thinking. So, is it more probable for people who have irregular periods? Because like in my case, I also have because, and I found out about it. Like I think I was still in college, and. I have a regular period. So when Irene asked any other symptoms or whatnot, I'm not sure if it's a symptom. But even until now, whenever I have a period, there's always pain. So it's really painful. So I'm not sure if that's a sign for you to have yourself checked, right? Because it's as what you said, it's better to have early prevention than go through that experience, right? So how is Picos diagnosed apart from... Waiting until you want to get married and have a baby, right? How do you think it is diagnosed, and does it equate automatically to infertility? How is it?
0: You actually get diagnosed really by just going to an OB, and the OB will order for an ultrasound because that's the only way that they can see your ovaries, right? So when they see that you know you have undeveloped follicles, then you have PCOS. My previous OB also ordered for a blood test. So that showed that I had really low levels of estrogen. So I think that's also another sign that you have PCOS. Ruth was saying that she has PCOS, but her period is regular. There are actually some cases of that. I personally know someone who never knew that she had PCOS because her period was On the dot, she just had difficulty having a baby. That's why she got checked. And she was surprised to know that she had PCOS. I remember my OB said that there's such thing as an ovulation. You get your period, but you don't ovulate. So it happens. I'm not sure how frequent it is, but it happens. So to answer your question, you really have to go to a doctor and then have it checked. It's just being magnified because we wanted to have a child when I went to... Actually, we we transferred to a different doctor because I've been with my old doctor since I was 21. And so when I turned 27, we went back to her to tell her that, you know, we want to have a baby, we want your help. But after a year, I just felt that, you know, she she wasn't that kind of doctor. (laughs) I don't know how to put it.
2: Maybe she's not open-minded towards discussing that, or it's not her specialty.
0: I felt I was mismanaged. Let's just mm-hmm. say it. I felt I was mismanaged. I wrote it on the blog. She was giving me kinds of medicine, and then incidentally, I had an office mate who also had Picos. Before I knew that I have Picos. So I asked her, she had fertility workups, and so I asked her, you know, what does your OB do? And so when she told me, I was like, wait, why is it different from what my OB is doing? And so she said, you know what, it's time for you to find another doctor. And then that doctor helped me have my baby. So it's really important that you know you go to a doctor, but find a doctor that you're comfortable with and you feel that you're taken care of.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm wondering. So let's say you get diagnosed with Pcos, then you change your doctor. How about you mentioned about medication? I'm wondering because, like I said earlier, I have no clue about Pcos. Really, how you're still a warrior? You said you're not a survivor. Do you have any medication for that, or what's the process to at least overcome and you get and you're able to get pregnant?
0: For PCOS, I'm not sure if it can be cured, but they have like some management, like what I said, the first thing that my ob gave me was metformin it was it has something to do with insulin i honestly don't know what it is but she said that you know it helps because women with PCOS are actually insulin resistant so that's the first thing She she started with really low dose and it was horrible it was horrible the side effects are horrible and then some doctors they will ask you first so The first thing that my old OB asked me was that they have plans of getting pregnant because if not, I'll put you on the pills, contraceptive pills.
2: For estrogen?
0: Yep, I think so. Or maybe for you to have your menstruation, right? I know someone who was diagnosed with PCOS when she was still single, so she was actually on pills, but if you are planning to get pregnant, and then that's when you go to a fertility workup. So to answer your question, there are a lot of options for women with PCOS. When you're diagnosed with PCOS, it will be harder for you to get pregnant. But it's not the end of the world.
2: You are the living proof.
0: <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of you know advanced technology already. We have a lot of incredible doctors who are there to help you. So at first, what this is my new OB, who is still my current OB now. And she helped me get pregnant. She gave birth to Zaini. So the first thing she did was to give me an oral medicine. So at that time, it was called Ovamith. And then it didn't work. So she changed it. I think it's Clomid. But now it's... I forgot the generic. It was Clomifin. Because Clomid is the brand. This was in 2013. I got pregnant in 2015. So I met my new OB in 2013. So that was the first time that I was really into fertility, the real fertility workup because my, my old OB didn't do it. So she gave me Clomiphene. She started with one tablet a day, but it didn't work. So we went into two tablets until the maximum is four. Back in 2013, that cost 300 pesos. Per tablet. Per tablet. So I had to take four tablets a day. I saw your face. So that's 1,200 a day, which I had to take for five days. That's around 6,000 already. And so what the drug does is that it tricks your body to think that you don't have estrogen, if I'm not mistaken. And so your...
2: So your body will release more.
0: Yeah. So your pituitary gland, if, if I remember correctly, so now we're, we're going into science now. Right? So your pituitary gland will release FSH- so that's the follicle-stimulating hormone and the LH or the luteinizing hormone. So your body will release or will induce ovulation. So I got there. There are cycles that I would ovulate. But more often than not, I didn't. So my OB said, you know what? There are very few women who are resistant to these medications. And I, I think you're one of them. So it didn't work. Apart from the Clomid, the Clomiphene or the Clomid that induce ovulation, I still have to take like estrogen. So after this, the fifth day, so on the sixth day, I will take estrogen. I forgot, I think that's for another five days. And then I will take dufastone. So the dufastone is my best friend because it can do two things. It will help with the implantation. So when the egg is fertilized, of course, we need the fetus to implant on, on, on the uterus. So Dufastan helps it. If you're not pregnant, it will induce menstruation. So we'll go back to say one again, then that. And so after 2013 until 2015, f- 2014, we were on and off with Clomid. But sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. And so my OB at that time would advise, I think, three cycles and then one month break. Then go back again, three cycles, which is like more or less a month. And then break again. Because she said that, you know, your body needs to rest from all the meds that you're taking. And so I think around 2014, he said, you know, go back to me after one month. And then I, I told my husband, you know what? I'm, I'm so tired. I'm getting hopeless already. I would throw up. The metformin would make me go to the bathroom every hour. <laughs> I was working. So can you imagine? I'm working. I'd be rushing to the bathroom because either I would, you know, my, my tummy is getting upset or I would just throw up. And when I was in Clomid, I would throw up. I remember throwing up along Ayala. I can just laugh about it right now. But I was like, okay, I think I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. And I was in Ayala and I was working in BGC. So I'm sorry. Excuse me if you have listeners who are eating right now. I'm really sorry. But I I threw up and I was like crying. Like, this is not working. But why am I, you know, getting all the side effects without the real effects that I I was getting? So I said, let's take a break. So we took six months break. And then we went back. And then I think that was the time when my doctor said, you know what? We can try the other option, which is... To inject you directly with FSH, the, the follicle stimulating hormone, she said, you know what, you will not experience any side effects. Yeah, no side effects. But each injection costs two thousand pesos. <laughs>
2: How many times do you have to do?
0: Ten injections
2: in a month, or at least that's the whole the, the whole journey.
0: You know, in that cycle alone. In just a month. In just yeah, in just a month. So. The only side effect, I I was telling this to to my husband, you know what? It's
2: your wallet.
0: There's no side effect. The only side effect is, you know, my my arm get numbed after the injection. And then, of course, we could eat, you know, rice and salt afterwards. (laughs) Rice and sardines. (laughs) Because we don't have money anymore. And so, at that moment, I told my husband, you know what? This will be the last time. If I don't get pregnant in this cycle, we'll stop. And... Luckily, I got pregnant in that cycle. And I was like, yeah, hallelujah. I don't have money anymore. <laughs> so there. So there, of course, other than that, there there are a lot of options. Because I ovulated in that cycle, we decided to do artificial insemination. It's, it's optional. It's really optional. We can have it the, the natural way. But then my OB said, you know what? We, you don't get to ovulate too often. So let's just, let's do it. Yeah, it's the right moment. My husband also had issues with his sperm analysis for years. And then when I ovulated, they checked my husband and I said, you know what, this is the perfect time. Your, your sperm is now perfect. And so you said, let's try the, the artificial insemination. What happens there is, of course, they get the sperm of my husband and then they put it to me. <laughs> you know, we're all adults here. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so it, it cost at that time, I think, another 20000 for the insemination, right? And then, of course, if, if it doesn't work, the more expensive is, you know, we've been hearing this a lot lately, in vitro. But, you know, I told my husband, you know, if we don't get into artificial insemination, I don't want to go into in vitro. I don't have the <laughs> money anymore, right? Because at that time, I think it cost around 100000 hundred, hundred thousand. Yeah, but now there are other more affordable options, right? So, yeah, that's how, how it goes.
2: It's mind-blowing. Yeah, <laughs> I am
0: surprised with the cost.
1: <laughs> yeah. Actually, when, when you were telling the story, I was just listening because this is not a day-to-day story that you hear. That's why we are listening like, oh, yeah. And yeah, I'm computing in my head. Yeah, that's how expensive it is. And you mentioned about you started to have that mental effect on you. So I just want to connect this question is, How do you deal with the social pressure and expectation? Because it's obvious in the Philippines. Once you get married, people will ask you, when are you going to have a baby? Why you don't have a baby yet? So apart from your own pressure that you're feeling, how, how do you deal with the pressures, you know, getting from the
0: family members, friends? You know, at first it was... We were fine in the beginning. You know, during the first year of marriage, we bought a house at the time. So I would, when people would ask me, you know what, we were just waiting one to two years. The usual, right? The usual stuff that married couples say. It's okay, we're, we're in the honeymoon phase and like that. But luckily, I, I knew I had because We were only half a year married. So we already had a head start. Because can you imagine if I had myself checked when we passed the two years already, right? So it would have been more difficult. So anyway, to answer the question, it gets harder the longer you're childless. There was a point, like I told you, right, that mind is a different You know, it can be your friend, but it can also be your enemy, right? I mean, I could handle the nausea, the vomiting, everything. But then when there will be a lot of things going on inside your head, and then other people would be there. They would add to the pressure. Would you believe that I came to a point when I would stop attending family reunions? That's the worst. I could take it from strangers, But when family members, you know, kept on pushing you, like there are questions that are insulting. (laughs) Uh, Can you give an example? Because we like to hear. So there was this one time, you know, you know, the usual titas, Like, Mm. when are you having a baby? And then, who's the problem? Who was the problem? Can I say it in Tagalog? Sure, sure. Sino sa inyo may diperensya? That's the worst kind of... It's, you know... It's it's already painful when, when you hear it in English, but when it's in Tagalog, it's like, right? I mean, it's not for you to ask, right? I was this one time, I, I mentioned it in the blog, I'm not sure if it was in the same story, but we were in my husband's place, and then he has a relative, and then that relative was holding a baby. I think the baby was around less than one year old. And so my husband said, can I carry the baby? And then the tita, I'm not sure if it was a tita. So the tita said, okay, sure. I wasn't there, but I heard the tita said, isn't he cute? You're not gonna have someone as cute as that. I heard it. I heard it. Up until now, when I remember it, I cry. When I see that person, when I go to my husband, I mean, I, I smile because, you know, I, I, I'm respectful. I say, hi. Hi po <laughs> But then I never really got to erase that mental trauma or that pain that she said. Maybe she didn't realize that I was there, right? Maybe up until now she didn't know that I heard her. But I told my husband. I told my husband that, you know, I heard her say. But you know, my husband said, you Don't mind them. We'll have our turn. So don't worry. My husband is the cool one. I'm the more confrontational, like, I want to uh, to squeeze her. I think
2: it has a different effect on you than your husband. Because like most couples, right? When the people around them would say, oh, you can't give your husband a kid. And they would say that without really thinking that you are struggling. Of course, you would love to give your husband a kid, a child. But it's just not possible right now. But they would just say it out of, because small talk? They're just talkless, that's it. Yeah, (laughs) and they need to learn to talk about, like, other way of discussing this.
0: Yeah, I think maybe it's because our society, like what Ruth said, that, you know, when you get married, you're expected to have kids. But, you know, now there are a lot of couples who say, you know what, having kids is not for me. Of course, other people still think that why, why having kids yeah. is blah blah blah. And, they will look you know, this... after you when you get old. Yeah, I mean, I I remember. Can I just say? I think, I think it was Gabrielle Union. I'm not sure if, if you're familiar with her. She also struggled with infertility. She is a wife of of an NBA star. I, I forgot to because I'm I'm not into. Maybe I should have asked my husband to be here. <laughs> maybe he knows. So anyway, she was talking about. Her infertility battle, and she said that you know what people think. People assume that a woman's fertility, a woman's reproductive health, is a house that everybody is welcome to go inside to, right? And so that person, the moment he or she walks into that door, they go straight to your pantry to check what food you have. They check into the bedroom to see if if you have dirty laundry. That's how a lot of people are, and they think it's okay. Actually for those who are listening it's not it's not okay. I understand that some of them have you know clear intentions. Maybe they're just curious or maybe they're also hoping for couples to also have kids. But honestly it's, it's not okay. I opened up to some friends. So if you're curious just bite your tongue, don't ask unless the couple or or the woman openly says it. Or opens up to you. So with, with social pressure, it was horrible. There are a lot of people telling stuff that maybe you should do this, do this, do this, do that. That unsolicited advice I can still take because like I said, maybe they were just coming out of concern. But really the tactless ones, like, cause the problem? And you're never gonna have this.
1: And I can only imagine how hurtful you are because the mere fact that you said it, I feel like... I was stabbing in my heart, and I'm not even in that situation. How much more for you, right? And I also have a friend, because you were telling, sharing your story about the social pressures and all that. My friend, she already stopped looking at Facebook because she felt like whenever she opens her newsfeed, she would just see pictures of baby, especially of friends. So sometimes she would feel the burden of not having a child yet it adds more pressure and we cannot blame women who really want to have their own child and having this pressure there's already a pressure from outside plus of course the internal battle right so people please be kind <laughs> If you really want to know, if you really ask the right questions, not something that would hurt the person, right?
0: Just to add to that, I can understand your friend, Ru, because um, I was always the ninang. I was always the godmother, you know? When we were on our second year of fertility, I have this office mate, a really good friend. Her husband lives in the States, so she's the one here. And the husband only has three weeks vacation when the husband went to the u s my friend found out she was pregnant, so they haven't seen each other for two years, I think at the time, and then she got pregnant. I have two best friends, two really close uh, best friend, and then the other one is a really close friend got pregnant almost at the same time, and both were unplanned. and you' know deep in my heart, I said honestly, if you open my heart now, I- I'm not lying, I'm really happy for for these women because they are my friend, but of course a part of me was, you know, dying inside at that time. Like, why them? My friends weren't even planning for it. We were doing this for two years, right? So I agree with you, Ruth. There's already the internal battle, right? And then to add pressure to women, right? Because the fact is, they already know. They know that something is already wrong. So at that time, I already knew I had because I was already struggling financially, mentally, emotionally. So don't add to it. Don't add. Be kind. I think that's that's the bottom line. Whether or not a person has Pcos, just be kind.
2: What prompted you to share your battle with infertility, and how did it reach a lot of women who are going through the same battle?
0: Well, I've always wanted to write. So I, like I said, I blog about food mainly because I wanna you know share my thoughts and that. So initially, I said that you know I wanted to share this. My intention really of my blog was really to share my thoughts, right? So when it's a food review, so people will know that, you know, this restaurant is worth going to, it's it's worth your money. But when I was writing it, I said that my main reason was actually for myself. Because it's my form of healing, honestly, at that time. Like, I've been wanting to write about it the moment I found out I had Picos, but I just couldn't have the courage to write it. So it was more of selfish because, you know, I want something to look back to years from now and maybe my daughter can also read it years from now and realize that, you know, it wasn't easy for my parents. But to answer your second question, I didn't. To realize that it would reach a lot of women because i didn't have a lot of readers i think i only have five up until now i think i only have five so i was actually surprised that a lot of women were actually able to relate to it so i always say this that i don't care whether a lot of people read my blog but as long as i was able to reach or touch at least one person in any post, then I'm fine with it. That was only my intention. I was thinking, maybe there's a woman out there who's losing hope, who's maybe so scared to admit that, you know, she has PCOS. Maybe she thinks that having PCOS is a death sentence. Maybe I can help inspire her. And so when I posted that, I I was surprised that there were a lot of engagements. And then for a year... I published it in 2015. I think up, up, up until around 2017, I was getting emails from women saying, you know what, I searched and you were the only blog that I saw. Because another reason was also, you know what, Google is our friend, right? <laughs> Sometimes when we feel a headache, we go to Google first instead of, <laughs> instead of going to the doctor. So when I found out I had PCOS, I searched for, you know, women having PCOS. And this was back in twenty twelve. I think I only found one Filipina who shared her infertility journey. So most were actually foreign bloggers. But I couldn't relate to them because for one their health insurance covers <laughs> covers the right. <laughs> You're laughing. But you know, I couldn't relate to them because at the time I was looking for, you know, what doctor should I go to? What are my other options? So there weren't a lot of women. Now you know, we see celebrities saying, right, influencers saying I cause, but at the time, there weren't a lot of women who were open to that. And so I said, you know, I just want a lot of women to go out of the dark and this is not something that we should be ashamed of, right? Same with mental health. Mental health is now gaining a lot of audience already. So reproductive health is just the same. I mean, do you get embarrassed when you get a migraine or when you get a cast on your elbow because you fell? So the same thing that, you know, you should be ashamed when you have PCOS, right? So I think those are just some of the things, some of the reasons... I shared my story. Basically, I also want my daughter to read it when she's older and say, you know what? I spent this and that for you, so you better behave, right? You better (laughs) listen to me.
1: (laughs) You can use it to blackmail her. And that's true. It's like when you said that when you were trying to understand where you are coming from, you had to look for some resource or, you know, that's something that you can relate to and you couldn't find a lot of information that's why you created one your own and yeah why do you think because if that's the case and you also mentioned that there are already influencers or celebrities talking about it but why do you think that infertility is still a taboo topic in the philippines
0: i think it's because of the social pressure i'm not sure i mean I'm, i'm not a psychologist or what but you know it's expectation when you get married you should be having kids when you don't get kids you know people are you know itching to to know why and i think it's probably because not a lot of people talk about it that's why it's it's like what you said but this is not something that you know we talk on a normal days. not something that other women discuss over coffee but now I think we've slowly matured, like a, a lot of people are talking about it. Yeah, When I started, I only know like two probably three friends who have Picos. But when I shared it, I was surprised that, you know, friends that I didn't know who had Picos come to me and say, you know what, I have picos. <laughs> it's not something that, that you openly, you know, talk about with, with your other friends. And and we were like, Oh yeah, really? Because when you when you look at a person, you will not same as mental illness, right? Can you realize that somebody is going into depression or what? So it's the same case, same thing. Nobody actually knew about my dilemma at the time. Not until I I shared it. So I think it's really uh, society. Maybe (laughs) society, yeah, yeah,
1: and that's true. So that's the reason why women feel not really feel ashamed, but maybe because we don't have much outlet and platforms to go to. That's the reason why. Maybe number one is awareness, we're not even aware that we have because, so that's number one. And once you learn that you have. Because look for people or look for tribe you know that you can share your experience learn from each other and all that so yeah it's a great time it's a high time to really share our experiences have that awareness and really learn from each other so we're already at the end of our conversation because we have really a good conversation and some questions were already answered so i just want to ask your advice to women who are going through an emotional roller coaster in losing hope after being diagnosed with
0: Pcos. like what i said it's not a dead sentence when you have Pcos, it will be a little harder for you to get pregnant or to have a baby but it's not the end of the world there are a lot of options at that time we were already talking about going into adoption, adopting a baby, right? Because I realized there are a lot of kids there who need love. So we have a lot of love to give. So why not, right? So there are a lot of things science is already so advanced, right? You can still manage because I know someone who went into like exercise, dietary changes and those things were able to manage her pcos, and now she has a baby right so there are a lot of you know we are living testaments that you know that pcos can be managed it's it's not the end of the world you can ask help everybody can help you a lot of people can help you like what i said earlier look for a doctor that you're comfortable with my old ob he was always in a hurry there was this one time that i waited in her clinic for six hours and then she saw me for like two minutes And I really didn't feel like I was taken care of. So it's really important for you to look for a doctor you can trust, right? So it was love at first sight with my my OB now because when I came to her office and she asked me why I'm seeing her and then she let me talk and talk. I think I stayed on my first meeting. I stayed there for one hour. Because she explained everything to me. I never felt that I was rushed because that's why I I knew about, you know, the follicle-stimulating hormones, all the technical stuff. It's because she was so patient with me. Now we're Facebook friends. I text her, you know, every time I have a problem. So look for a doctor you can trust. Second, if you're married, husbands who are listening now, your partners, your wives are already going through a lot because this is hormonal imbalance right so for healthy women when we have hormones are you know all over the place during period or pms i don't know maybe multiply it 10 20 times so please please be understanding of of your wives or, or your partners because it's not easy and it will test your marriage but i guarantee you it will help you you will come out stronger i've reached a certain level of respect to my husband during our journey because i i never realized that he has so much patience you know when when the tita told me she was just like don't mind them i was like i want to wanted to stab her but no don't do it don't do it it's not worth it so yeah this is marriage is a partnership so be there, be there, be there for your partner, be there for your wife. It's not easy, but there are a lot of things that can help you. And also, I think Ruth mentioned about finding a tribe. Yeah, it's important. It's important to know that you're not alone, right? You're not alone. I'm here. I'm still an introvert. I don't have a lot of friends. But when I posted that, I actually met a lot of new friends because of that friends telling me that you know i could relate to you can i add you on facebook oh, yeah sure and now i'm so happy like when when they post about being pregnant i cheered for them i cheered for them i remember how did i meet this person oh yeah this was the person who added me because she also had because i know she has two kids like that so Find your tribe, find your friends, and it will be extremely difficult to filter the noise, you know, the social pressure. Again, like what I said, I stopped attending family reunions, school reunions, but I- I'm not sure. This might be an unpopular advice, but because it's in our culture to be, you know, to always be present, especially on those times in you know, family reunions. But if it will not bring you peace, just don't do it, don't do it. My husband knew that that you know what i I don't want to go. can we skip that and said, okay, it's okay, but we reach a compromise like okay, let's just make sure we go on Christmas like okay, let's go on Christmas, but can we skip the other you know the other occasions because i don't I don't feel like going to so if it destroys your peace, just don't do it. if you're strong enough to handle you know, all, all the noise, then why not? For me, in my case, I've always been confrontational in those kinds of things. So
1: Yeah, so there. Thank you so much, Jeff, for bravely sharing your story for this eye-opening episode. And we really learned a lot. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for saying yes and for sharing your wonderful story to us. So that's all we have for you today. Thank you for listening. If you're interested in anything and everything about adulting, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at where.the.f.m.i.heading. Catch us again next Wednesday for another episode of Where the F Am (laughs) I Heading?